This is Amherst at 200, celebrating mind, heart, and community. I'm Biddy Martin, president of Amherst College. In this episode, Rebecca Rakapkoza tells us how studying English at Amherst prepared her for any challenge, no matter the subject or the stakes. Here's Becky. I am Rebecca Rakapkoza. I am currently in Kampala, Uganda. I am moving to Chicago. Next week, for my second year in the PhD program, History, I did my first year online because of the pandemic. I graduated from Amherst as an English major and came home straight after, home as in Uganda. I'm Jeffrey Wright, Amherst class of 1987, and this is Amherst at 200, celebrating mind, heart, and community. Becky Rakabkoza's story highlights the interconnectedness of the modern world. Becky came to Amherst with the intention of studying biology and chemistry. However, the liberal arts education on offer at Amherst opened her eyes to the feminist history of her home country. I grew up in um, Uganda. In Well, I guess Uganda is big. I grew up mostly in a district called Mubende that's about two hours drive from the city center, Kampala. I'm the last born in my family. Um, my mom and dad had 10 children and I'm number 10. So I, I guess I grew up with very many adults around me, people who watched out for me all the time. I had a good community of people. The first time I heard about Amherst is... An interesting one. Um, my father died when I was about nine years old and I was still in primary school. The school then decided to cover my tuition. Um, so they basically said, you know, um, don't, don't worry about her school fees. She can just keep coming to school. So I, I stayed in school. The only way to get out of, of a tough situation at that point is to work really hard at my education. At the end of primary school, we do a national exam, primary leaving examination in Uganda, and they rank you nationally. I was the best in my district. I got forms from a program that was, at the time, attached to the U.S. Embassy. It was called USAP, United States Student Achievers Program. A bunch of us filled out uh, forms for the program. And then we had back from the education office at the embassy and I'd gotten in. But we, we didn't really have a frame of reference for which colleges were good or what we even wanted to study. On the day that we were supposed to submit, I was sitting at the computer and this lady comes and stands next to me and says, Rebecca, what schools did you put? Listed out a bunch of schools. I actually even put an all-women's college because I was coming from an all-girls school. I figured, you know, easy transition. Then 
she asked me for my essay. I had a copy of it printed out. So she read it and then said, put a must. And I had zero idea. Actually just said, spell that while I was with in the common app. <laughs> so she spelled it out. I typed it in. I submitted to Amherst, then went home to Mubende. Amherst sends me an acceptance. I didn't expect to get an acceptance letter, first of all. Then I didn't expect that they were coming in that early. So I told my mom, I need to go back to Kampala and like double check some of these things. <laughs> so I got into a taxi, I came back to Kampala and took that letter to the education office at the embassy. And when I got there, I handed the letter to one of the ladies and she read it and she screamed and told everybody, Becky got into Amherst and everyone was very excited. And I kept on saying, am I supposed to be like, what is it? So she said, you know what, like first sit down. <laughs> and then we like went through why this was a really big deal. I, I didn't completely understand how big a deal it was until I got to Amherst. It took more than just the recommendation of the embassy staff to convince Becky that Amherst was the right choice. I mean, Uganda is large, Kampala is busy and things, but I grew up in Mubende and on my way to school, I knew every shopkeeper. <laughs> so I walked down the hill, I said hello to everybody I met, I knew them, I knew their families, I played with their kids, they looked out for me, and I, I needed something like that. And Amherst being situated in a smaller town. The class sizes were small. Everybody was like, this is then what will work for you. So I decided on Amherst based on what I felt that the community, or what I was told the community would give me. I trusted that. I, I got my very first passport when I was coming to Amherst. <laughs> so it was a, a decision based on guidance, but also I took a leap of faith. That leap of faith led Becky halfway around the world. I remember getting into the Boston airport and there were other students there to pick me up. Um, sophomores from, I remember, I, I think Manu was one of those um, from Kenya, still my friend to date. They drove us back to our dorms. I remember them carrying my luggage. There was another international student. He was a senior, I think, who was the one driving. They carried all my things. They were really, really nice. <laughs> and I thought, wow, okay, maybe this can work. And then after that, they took me to Antonio's for pizza. I had never liked pizza. <laughs> or uh, so... They're like, no, 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 you, you have to try these things. And it was, they created such a, a safe space as well. Um, they, they seem to understand what the little hesitate, hesitant moments <laughs> meant. Now, none of these were Ugandans, the other students. They were Kenyans, Ethiopians, other international students. So I, I couldn't slip into... Uganda or any other language from here, which I realized I actually really need to do sometimes because English is never enough. They picked up a lot of the words through our friendship. 
that I would use. Becky gave an example of one word her friends picked up on from her. It's from Luganda, one of the major languages in Uganda. It's the Lugandan version of my goodness. I think almost everyone in my class here, every African in my class here, learned how to say banange. And they would, I was so proud of them. They would say it very appropriately. And I picked up some Swahili as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I found, I eventually found uh, Ugandans at Mount Holyoke and UMass, which was great. Um, some of them I'd gone to high school with, actually. So it was wonderful. But yeah, the first days were very, very chill before the Americans came in. Now, when the Americans came in, it was very loud, of course, because the domes were full now. Becky had to adjust to the cultural shock of a totally new environment. As an international student, Becky had to get used to the more concise speech and comparative unfriendliness of Americans. In my first year, I really struggled passing by um, professors without saying hello. Uh, because that's just like... I was coming from an all-girls Catholic school. You, you find an adult, uh, someone older than you working with you know, books or papers or a bag... You say hello, you ask if they need help. <laughs> um, and usually, even if they don't need help, they'll say yes and give you the bag and you'll carry it to wherever they're going. But Americans just say no. And eventually, I learned to stop offering. <laughs> Amherst had a program that became a source of community and support for international students like Becky. The Koenig Scholarship Program, established in 2007 through a gift from Arthur Koenig of the class of 1966 and Yvonne Koenig. I was a Koenig scholar. Amherst had set up a, a fund, especially for international students coming from, you know, disadvantaged backgrounds, and they gave us like a hundred percent financial aid. The target was Latin America, Caribbean America, and Africa. But because of the structure of it, or perhaps because of the internationalness, we also had community. Mr. Koenig came to town every year during the time that I was there and took us to dinner. And uh, the international student office would always ask us where we wanted to go to dinner. Now, we lived on student budgets. So every year we'd be like, guys, me, I have, I've been dying to go to Lord Jeff. So when Mr. Koenig comes, these are going to be the options. <laughs> So we basically went and every year would pick a different place. So it was nice. I think the first year we went to, it was a Chinese restaurant, Panda East. Then after that, we went to Lord Jeff. I had always wanted to eat there, but could never afford. So it was a great time. And we all, I think we always told him and he would just like laugh and, and be cool about it. <laughs> and yeah, so the way that it was structured was very attentive to our unique needs. I think there's a time when we were sitting with one of the other scholars and we were feeling really grateful. Like, guys, we need to like get goats for Mr. Koenig because, man, it's like we, we felt really cared for. <laughs> so it was nice. The most special thing about it was the community that it gave us. And I'm still friends with a lot of those people because there's that added element um, being taken care of.
Through the help and community of the Koenig Scholarship, Becky began to find a home at Amherst. There were some adjustments, though, that continued to prove challenging. I think I had two lives. So I had the first two years, and then I had the last two years. So I think that the people who taught me the first two years would not have much kind words. <laughs> or at least I think that I was kind of figuring it out. My advisor was um, Randa Cobham Sander, who was wonderful. Um, I don't think I would have gone through Amherst without her support. For example, when the winter, the winters depressed me so much and I didn't realize it until maybe like my third year when I might have mentioned it to Professor Bosman. I said, I don't understand it. I've, I've been okay. I don't have a problem, but I just can't seem to get out of bed. And then he said, it's the light because <laughs> he's from South Africa. So Americans will, will assume that you know these things. But you, you don't. I, I live at the equator here. I always have sunshine. And the sun is warm when it's out. So Professor Kubam Sander would realize when I'm struggling. There's a time when um, I was really, really depressed. And she said, I'll come to Val for, dinner, for breakfast. Because I think that if you just get out of bed for breakfast, then the rest of the day is fine. Like, let's make sure that you have food, and also light in the morning. I lost uh, a family member. I called her and told her, and she drove from her house, it was a Saturday, and came pick me up and took me to Atkins Farm because she knew that I liked the, the blueberry ice cream there. I picked it up, took me to her house, and made me a smoothie and soup. And I. These are not things that advisors have to do. But these are also things that if you are an international student and you're away from home, they gather you. <laughs> they're things that are, are very, they're invaluable. While Becky got acclimated to life in the United States, she also found a new academic direction. So I came from Namagunga as a sciences student. We kind of narrowed down in your last two years of high school, what you're gonna do. So in my last two years, I was doing um, biology, chemistry, math, and French, with the idea that I was going to go to med school here. And I really loved chemistry. Uh, so when I went to Amherst, I said, possible, maybe a psychology major, and um, definitely with like my, my double major in chemistry. I didn't thrive in the first two years. You will give me a path to follow and I'll follow it. I might have the bandwidth to do it, but I also need certain other ingredients on there in order to truly thrive. And I didn't find that as much. So I struggled. So all those chemistry classes that sounded like a lot of fun, I started to not take them as much and ended up taking more black studies, more English and things. And then I ended up as an English major like that with a heavy interest in chemistry and public health. Becky's shift in focus to an English major ties back to her life in Uganda. 
So because my dad died when I was nine, I was pretty much raised um, under the influence of my mom. I, I say influence because I feel like a lot of people were busy raising me. Uh, so my mother and my grandmother had a heavy hand <laughs> in, in how I began to see the world. I also went to an all-girls school. My life experience had shown me a kinder side of society to women. It, has, it had shown me women doing things, women taking care of homes, women making decisions. Amas did the zoom out for me and gave me language. My classes put all the pieces together and showed me what the picture is. That has been what I have taken into my activism. I did a blog and I started it in 2012. The reason I started writing about women's issues was because I realized that we were living in this world and we were not getting at the issue. And I needed to be able to get what I was learning in class and then put it in a Ugandan context. I was really angry at that point. Then I started to notice a lot of things that were happening. I would notice what the politicians were saying and how people just dismissed it. And I'd be like, can't you see it? That's the patriarchy, guys. I wrote a lot when I was in Amherst. And I took classes that would feed into this. After I figured out what I enjoyed about the classes that the teachers I like to take classes with, I, I became a whole different student. I had a favorite floor in the first library and it had all the African literature and had Ugandan books and things like that. And I read things about my people and myself and my country that I would never have gotten access to here. My education at Amherst definitely steered me along both my, my activism, but also the way that I do it, because I feel that mine is also a lot about translation, making things accessible, bringing Ugandan experience into larger conversation and the other way around. Feminism in Uganda is also very about um, the, the community and, and the work of doing is old and goes back centuries, as I have found out. Becky found that the academics at Amherst gave her both the language and tools to see the world more broadly. Becky credits much of her work as an activist to Amherst liberal arts education. So I, I talked to a couple of students who are considering undergrad degrees in the U.S. And every time I tell them, choose liberal arts, because I think that the kind of curriculum that I had been brought up in, in primary school and secondary school was very narrow. We learned things, but we didn't completely understand them. I must made me realize that I could be like smart because what it did, what the, the, the curriculum did was it, it taught me how to think. I am able to follow whatever discussion. So whether it is the doctors talking about what, what what's happening in in the reproductive health space in Uganda, or it is the monitoring and evaluation guys talking about 
um, the numbers and things. So every time I'd be asked, but what is your degree in? I said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Any problem you throw at me, I can research it, I can pull it apart, I can, you know, analyze, maybe give you like a, a couple possible solutions and things like that. And I think that's something that definitely I got from Amherst. There are, there are times I remember in, in one of the classes, it was childhood, I think. Someone responded and basically said they, they didn't want to, to write a paper on the prompt. And the professor said, make your case why this prompt doesn't work. And I thought, like that kind of, of leeway and freedom to think, to disagree with a professor, to bring your own experience to try to understand it. I think that when I approach a problem in a room, I approach it with, uh, we can do this. A lot of the classes have helped me not look at knowledge as something that we possess and should load over people, but more that knowledge can only be valuable if we are passing it around. has re-engineered my brain a little bit and made it more able to think as opposed to simply absorbing information. That re-engineering brought Becky into the world of advocacy. She is now in graduate school at Northwestern. Her focus is history, specifically the history of Ugandan feminism. So there's a, there's a Ghana feminist called Solomon Nakawesi. And she, when she's talking about the Ugandan feminism, she says that instead of the waves, we have the generations. There's a generation which calls the golden girls, who are usually credited in the women's movement. The golden girls are really the first woman to do this, you know. First woman to get a, a, a medical degree. First woman to go to school. Really, my interest now is to go beyond that, remove that that lens and also look at Ugandan women, they're on, they're on credit, you know. So a lot of them are doing the work without thinking of the political or the theory. They're practical. They're looking at it in, in practical ways. Now now my, my interest in, in, in history is also really about like how, you, how women historically conceived of power relations, life, and, and reproduction in their space. I think that in the end, though, now, after getting out of Amherst, is when I have appreciated it more. It's, it's the community. I, I feel that I, the people that that held my hand, the people's hands I held, the people who walked that journey with me, those people will always be a part of my life. Um, and I think that we are both, we are all stronger for it. And we have created a wonderful community from it. Thanks for listening. I'm Jeffrey Wright. Amherst class of 1987, and this is Amherst at 200, celebrating mind, heart, and community. A production of Amherst College in association with Cadence 13, narrated by me, Jeffrey Wright. 
Executive produced by Biddy Martin, Ian Mont, and Rebecca Kennedy. Produced by Catherine Duke, Bette Schumacher, and Sandy Janelius. Written, directed, edited, and mastered by Ian Mont. Technical and equipment support by Sean Cherry. Creative consultation by Catherine Duke, Carly Nardowitz, Connolly Stokes Buckles, and Molly Whalen. Music from Source Audio and Extreme Music. Archival support from Michael Kelly. Thank you.